Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. Good morning, everybody. I have a um, one of Jordan's business cards for his podcast um, up here on the uh, pulpit this morning. So get with Jordan after, and he'll tell you all about his podcast. I guess that was my. Can I sponsor an episode because I did that, or can I can I be give a shout out or something? <laughs> yes, it's Jansen and Brandon's too. So they all three record a podcast. I've been on it twice to talk about fun Marvel stuff and all of that. So this morning I'm in part four of This is Home, but before I just want to remind you of a couple things that we have coming up. Number one, our Live to Give offering that's happening December the 4th. Everybody say December the 4th. Come on, say it again. Say December the 4th. This is a time every year where we express radical generosity to God and we fight consumerism and greed with everything in us and we bring an offering on December the 4th that is above our normal tithe and our normal offering and we give that to God. And uh, in the month of November, I'm going to be talking about all of that, what that means, what that looks like, and then we're going to give on December the 4th. Say it one more time for me just so that I know that you got it. Say December the 4th. Cool. And then if you haven't jumped in a community group yet, get in a community group. It's not too late. Go online, check out the community groups, get plugged in somewhere at Hope Unlimited Church. There's a group of people that are waiting to embrace you, waiting to do life with you, waiting to make this walk that we are all on a bit easier. And so let's, uh, let's jump right in this morning. Um, Matthew chapter 16 is where we'll start. You ever put your marker in your Bible and you think you put it one place and it's in the other place? It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Matthew chapter 16. Let's see here. Verse 24, 25. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions. Say nailed. Their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires to his cross and crucified them there. Amen. Jansen, you good, dog. You good. 
Everybody give it up for Jansen in the house this morning. He was out of town last week. Him and Bryson were out of town last week. Church just wasn't as good last week. So, um, so we, we're in part four of this series. And just a quick recap. Um, part one of this series, um, I just talked about like what really a home is. And it's a place where we belong we can relax, and we engage. That's three things that I said. Um, week two was I talked about how in a home, shame dies. And so I talked about the death of shame. And then last week, um, Stanton came in, and he talked about how basically what he said was is this whole this is home thing is what God is doing in the earth right now, that God is reconstructing what um, the author of, of John calls a new wineskin. And so that's where we've been at. And um, this morning, I want to go further into just the series. And then la- the next week, I'm going to finish off the series. And so you'll want to be here for that because it's going to be good. But this, this morning, I want to talk to you from the, sub- su- from the subject of transformed through honesty transformed through honesty. And so when you live in a home and when you are following Jesus, I think one of the first mistakes that we make is, especially in the church today in America, one of the first mistakes that we make is, is that we make you, we make you pretend like you are someone that you're not. Right? We make you pretend like you were someone that you're not. I can go from top to bottom. Pastors pretend like someone that, to be like someone that they're not because they've seen another pastor preach a sermon that they really liked, and then they think that they can preach that sermon the same way that that pastor preached it, and then they start on this treadmill of pretending like they are someone that they're not. Worship leaders all the time. I can tell you, I can walk into any church in America and I can tell you who they've been listening to. Bethel, Elevation, Hillsong. And they want to all be just like them. Yeah, they all want to be just like them. Even down to the spontaneous moments in, in worship. They sing the spontaneous moments. I'm like, hey, that did not, that's not part of the song. You just sang a spontaneous moment. So it's no longer spontaneous, just a part of the song, and you want to be like that person, right? So we have created an institution that primarily makes you pretend like you are someone that you're not. Even at the very basis of church, you have your pastor, you have your worship leader, and then you have all the people who are on staff at your church, and they are inspired by all of these other people, and they want to be just like them. Right, but I believe in a home you have to be you have to be given permission to get honest, to be the real you. Right. So the first thing that you need to know is at Hope Unlimited we get honest. We get honest. So what that means is is I'm not trying to. Hey Charlie, can you put that up? Thank you. Yeah, we are not trying to pretend. That we are someone that we're not. We are not trying to be a church that we're not. Right? We don't 
I don't get up on a Sunday and preach my sermon, and I don't like to listen to myself preach really at all anyway, because I think I sound weird. Um, so I don't go back and listen to myself. So I, I used to, though, because I was told you need to go listen to yourself, and then you need to be sure that you're doing this, 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 and this, right? And what they were trying to communicate is, you need to be sure that you're preaching like all of these other pastors that have made it. That's what they're trying to say. We do the same thing with worship leaders. If you don't lead worship like this, it's not really relevant how you lead worship. Because this is what the best worship leaders are doing. And what we are trying, we are trying to make you literally wear Saul's armor. We are trying to give you something that's not yours and go fight other people's battles that are not yours. Right? There are battles that Elevation Church is called to fight and Bethel's called to fight that I'm not. And I'm completely okay with that. Right? You're, you're in the big time worship scene and all that stuff. I can promise you, I know people there and you would rather not have it. You would rather not have it. Jordan can tell you green room stories. Jordan got plenty of green room stories. Funny ones, actually. Really funny ones. I have a few green room stories, but not as many as Jordan. Mine are, you know, mine are not worse than Jordan's either. Jordan has worse green room stories than I do. But if we're going to be a home, we have to be honest with ourselves. You have to get honest. You have to be able to say the actual condition of your heart and soul. You have to be able to say those things. This one's going to be quiet this morning. You have to be able to say those things. We have to create an environment where you can say those things. Because what the church has done primarily is made an environment where you can't be honest with yourself. Because if you're honest with yourself and that looks different than everyone else, then there's something wrong with you. Right? I could bring you people who have went through countless issues and problems, who've been in countless different ministry cultures, and it's all pretty much the same. You can be honest a lot of times in church to just to a certain point. And once you reach that certain point, then there's something wrong, right? So the question that you need to ask yourself, if you're going to be honest with yourself, is what am I actually dealing with? What is going on in my heart and my soul? What is actually taking place in there? Because that is the ultimate question. That will get you to be honest with yourself. It'll get you to be honest with God. And then you'll experience freedom. Listen, here's some reasons why we don't get honest in church or even to ourselves. Right? Here are some reasons why we don't get honest. The number one reason is we don't feel safe. We don't feel safe. Primarily because the church has been an institution of gossip. When you tell someone what's going on, then everyone else finds out what's going on. And that isn't going to be Hope Unlimited. It can't be. We'll just shut the thing down and start over. I'm serious as a heart attack. I can go back to work at Fastenal. If we can't be a, 
a company of people who can be honest in the safety of a home environment, we should shut everything down. And churches should too. Right? Because a lot of times what you have is, is you don't really have what I would consider a New Testament church. You have a 501c3 that is Christian, and y'all meet on Sundays. You have a non-profit Christian organization who meets on Sundays, but that doesn't necessarily make it a church. And I'm not saying that every big church does this or small churches. I'm saying that the majority of people that I know, I could get people that are sitting in this room right now that when they tried to be honest about something that they were going through, they were shunned because of it. I know some of your stories. I know some of my own stories. It happens, right? And the church has to be a place where people feel safe. I read this quote, I think, in week two, but I'm going to read it again. If there ever were a community where everyone could bring all of their baggage and brokenness with them, if ever there was a group of people where everyone was loved and no one pretended, we could not make room enough inside the building. If ever there was a group of people where everyone was loved and no one pretended, we could not make room inside the building. Right? But it seems like to me that we actually, we think that we want to be honest with ourselves. And we think that we want to be honest with God. But we keep from doing that because we do not feel safe. And the reason why we don't feel safe is because we see God wrong. That is the reason why we don't feel safe. We see God wrong. Charlie, can you put that up there, please? Thank you. We see God wrong. So we have thoughts in our minds about God that just blatantly aren't true. All of us do, right? If you believed everything that was true about God, you would be beaming with the light of Jesus. So ain't nobody in here doing that. So that means you got things about God that you still believe that aren't true. Y'all with me? Y'all offended that I said that y'all don't believe everything about God to be true? It's okay. It's okay. Everyone in this room, me included. I'm not, I, I'm not up here and there's people over here, show me your glory. I'm not shining with the glory of God either. Everyone has something, right? And we see God wrongly all the time. We talk about him incorrectly. All the time, right? Part of our problem is, is that we think if we get honest, God is going to meet us with punishment. Because the church has always met you with punishment. You may prove it to you. If this person sins, get them off the platform. Get them off the stage. Take them off serve teams. Because I've got to have somebody holy leading me. And if you just knew all the people who stood on stages, and if they were honest about their lives, and the people that we allow to stand on stages, 
In Christian culture, we often protect the people on stages by, lowing, by, by making the standards much lower. My standards are higher according to Scripture. They are. Let few of you become teachers because you will be judged more strictly. That's in there. Stages are not for people to protect themselves on. They're to be real from. And a lot of times what we do is, is when we give people a platform, a spotlight, or a stage, we enable them to continue to be dishonest with themselves. Because now they're doing what God has called us to do. Just because you are doing what God's called you to do doesn't mean that you don't have anything going on in your life. I know people right now, I could take you to churches right now that I still, I have no idea how they are standing on stage preaching. They have sexual abuse charges, sexual harassment charges. The FBI is investigating them. And they're still just up there having a jolly old time. This is, that's not what this is. That's not what the church is. That's not what this is supposed to be or ever should have been. When all of the stuff was swirling about, I don't care who you voted for before I say this. I don't care. I promise you, I do not care. Could care less. Hadn't watched the news since 2015. Don't care. When all of the stuff was swirling about the elections and all of that stuff, I actually joined... Um, a ministry alliance, so to speak, called Integrity Ministry Alliances. It's, it's Pastor Robert Gay. They serve on our board here. And the reason that I joined that, the very specific reason that I joined that, was not because I, so I could say I'm a part of this. It was because they hold your feet to the fire. And if you're going to do this, you're going to do it with integrity. You're going to do it with honesty. You're going to be real about everything that you're going through in life. And I think 80 to 90% of the time, we have created institutions that don't allow people up here to actually be real with you. And so they use this as a form of protection. right? So like at Hope Unlimited, I'm going to be like blatantly honest with you. I'm going to be like very plain with you. Hope you like that. Right? Like very honest. You either want to do this thing or you don't. Right? You either want to get freedom from your soul and you want your heart to be free or you want it to be bound. And you will not be free unless you get honest first. And so we've created institutions and when we think about the church, we often, the first thing that comes to our mind is, whether we believe it or not, is God. And so we're not an institution. We are a family. And this is home. Right? We are not an institution where people are going to be able to be honest about things and then we're going to punish them for being honest about those things, or we're not an institution where this is going to be a place of protection for people up here on the stage. That's not what this is. 
And the, and the number one thing that we do in churches today that makes... You know how many people are leaving the church by the day? We think it's because our worship's bad. You think people ain't preaching good enough? It ain't got nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. Because we've put more money into our worship experiences and learning how to preach than we ever have before. People are not experiencing Jesus. They're not. If you see God, I am of the belief that you can't walk away from him. And so what we've done is, is we've created these hyper-emotional experiences. And we've wanted to move you to a place of, I quote, decision. I've been in these meetings. We're moving you to a place of decision instead of showing you Jesus. And there is no decision when you see him. He is all-consuming and all-captivating. But we talk about God in the way of... If you want to repent today and get your life right with God and you got all this stuff going on, come on down here to the altar. We'll have somebody pray for you. We'll see you again next week. Be sure you drop your offering in the basket. And we think that is Christianity. That is, you just went to an hour and 15 minute group counseling session. And then you paid for it in tithe and offering. Wow. Wow. Come on. This is not about if worship is great or if I preach good enough. This is about seeing Jesus. The purpose of the church is to let you see Jesus. It is to point you into the direction of Jesus. In here on Sundays, in our community groups, it's all consuming. And you can see Jesus in many different ways. One of the ways that God shows himself is primarily through you. That's what Paul would say. But we don't talk about God rightly enough. God does not meet us with punishment. He meets us with mercy. God does not meet you with punishment. He meets you with mercy. Whenever you have blown it, as bad as you can blow it, He does not meet you with punishment. He meets you with mercy. Do you know what the beautiful thing about the mystery of God is? Is that you are completely secure in God, but also you still need mercy. Like you are completely secure in him. You are his. He came and paid for you. Bought you back from sin and death. But because of what goes undone, we need mercy for that. Right? The second, the second thing, that, or the third reason that we don't get honest is, and this is the, I think this is the main reason, honestly. We live distracted. We live in a distracted world. I'm off of social media right now on my phone. I checked it last night on my computer. I scrolled through for three minutes. I'm like, I'm about to delete this crap altogether because I have not felt this bad in two weeks. 
And we distract ourselves from what we're actually called to through social media, through all sorts of relationships that we don't need. We distract ourselves from the condition of our soul sometimes by just having bad theology. Right? We don't have a theology that says you can be honest with God. We oftentimes have a theology that says everything that you've got going on inside you, hide that. And we don't explicitly say that, but that's what we preach. Don't be jacked up. Right? In the New Testament, if you are going to be found in the company of Jesus, I hate to break this to you, you are going to be found among jacked up people. People who need Jesus is where you're going to be found. And we oftentimes, what we do is we say, well, Jesus is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. That is true. That is true. The presence of God is in rooms when people get raped. That doesn't mean the work of God is happening. Omnipresence is not an excuse to not go to broken people. It's actually a terrible argument. And what the early church fathers would say that you were is that you are a false prophet or apostle or whatever. You're not Christian. Because to be Christian means to be found among the people that Jesus would be found among. People who are, out, people who are put to the side. People who are the outcasts, the broken, those people in our society. Will you be found with those people? Right? Or will you live in a distracted world? Caught up by social media, everything else. I think I said this on Wednesday night. So there, are, there were three points in time where culture took a massive shift. When I mean a shift, I mean, when I say something changed, I don't mean something changed. I mean everything changed. Those years, 1377, when the clock was made, people started keeping up with time. Was it 1879, Phil? 18, 1870, it was 1879. Light bulb was made, 1879. And then in 2007, 2007, when the iPhone was made. So what happened is, is these people, us, we changed our entire lives because of these three things. This is what history would say. Every time one of those events happen, mental health and mental illness skyrocketed. All of those things, they are distractions to your life. They are not, they are not in alignment with the ways of Jesus. 
I don't know how to make that any I'm not saying go throw your iPhone away. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying stop telling time. I'm not saying do all of those things. What I'm saying is, is if you let those things govern your life, they will. They will govern your life. If you are moved by likes on Instagram, you need to go get in the presence of God. I don't know how to say it any other way than that. If you need affirmation constantly, there is something that's wrong down in here. You have lived in a distracted state. You have not been able to be honest with yourself because you have distracted yourself with all of these different things. So here's some things that you need to know. When we get honest, we experience healing and wholeness. When we get honest, and only when you get honest, you experience healing and wholeness. When is the last time that you've sat down and you've said, something is off with me? That's totally acceptable to say. Something ain't right. I am uneasy all the time. I am anxious all the time. I am depressed all the time. When is the last time that you have told God, I am depressed. I am anxious. When is the last time that you've said those things to God? When is the last time that you've said, I wish that there was more time in the day? Right? And when have you been really honest about those things? When have you been honest about your sexual desires? When have you been honest about those with God? Like, have you really been honest with God? Here's some things that you need to know about healing and wholeness. Healing and wholeness are not instant. They are not instant. They ain't instant, dog. They ain't instant. <laughs> Just because something changed in a moment doesn't mean it was instantaneous. Right? So, so when you read the scriptures and you read about the, the man who is lame, laying um, at the gate called Beautiful, and Peter and John walk by and they heal him. He's been laying at that gate for a long time, wondering why he wasn't healed. So it didn't happen instantly. It did happen in a moment. But it wasn't instantaneous. When you think about the woman with the issue of blood. Who tried everything that she knew to try. And Jesus touches her in a moment. That doesn't mean it was instant. That does not mean it was instant. We have told people that if you just bring your stuff to the altar. Then everything is going to change. And that is not true. That is not true. 
That is, not, that is not even what the Christian life is about. This isn't a magical exchange. This isn't you bring issue, God zaps it with a little lightning bolt. Issue, it's like Blake, Blake sent me a picture of this thing he got. It was like a rechargeable lighter or something. Probably one of the coolest things that I've seen. And you just like, it's like electricity just shoots across these little two beams and you light all of this stuff. That's what I think sometimes that we think Jesus is like. He has this little, this rechargeable lighter. And if you've prayed enough, he'll use it today. And if you've read your Bible enough, he'll use it today. But if not, retracted. Not using it today. We think that all of this just changes like that. Why don't you tell the part of your story where you struggled? That is the honest part. I've had people that I know. Guys, I have had people that I know who have stood on stage and lied about being free from addictions. And then tell a different story somewhere else. I know them. I have their phone number. I can talk to them this afternoon. That isn't what this is. Healing and wholeness are not instant. Listen, we deny the actual conditions of our souls. And you can be physically healed and still spiritually broken. And emotionally broken. Or you can be emotionally healed and physically broken. These are not instant. These take time. Listen, another truth you need to know. God wants, listen, God wants your passions and desires. He is not afraid of them. He wants them. This is the language of the New Testament where Jesus says, Come, take up your cross, follow me. This is the language that Paul is using in, in Galatians. Was it says followers of Jesus. They have crucified their passions and desires. Here's something that you need to know about crucifixion. Crucifixion isn't even instant death. Even if you give them to Jesus, it doesn't mean that you change like that. Crucifixion and taking your desires and your passions to Jesus just means they're in the right place. It means that you are putting them in the right place so that they can die. But they do not die instantly. Jesus did not die instantly when he was crucified. They had to break the thieves on the cross's legs so that they would die. Because crucifixion isn't instant death. When we think about issues, passions, desires, whatever, the number one thing that we need to know is, this is what Maximus the Confessor says, desire is infinite. Desire is infinite. Meaning, desire will never go away until we are actually one with God again. This is, this is how John Baer writes this. This is how he talks about this. He says, in the creation story, man was, was made. 
And when God was creating the heavens and the earth, he looked at the sun and all of the stuff and all that stuff. And he says, let it be. When he got to man, he says, let us make. And then all of the things that God told them to do was going to continue to form them into God's image. He was made in God's image and God's likeness. Maximus the Confessor says that being made in the image of God, in the image of God is God's gift to you. Walking in the likeness of God is your gift to God. All of the things that God tells you to do is how he makes you into who he's asked you to be. So when, when we were one with God, there was no passion or desire. What is there to be passionate about? What is there to desire? You have all. And when man fell, that's when desire and passion come into the picture. We begin to be passionate and desire other things that were not God. But listen, you were made. Passion and desire is infinite, meaning it has no end. Meaning it can only be found in the infinite, who is God. That's all Maximus the Confessor says. Maximus. Remember when everybody thought Pastor Casey was Maximus on Facebook? It was Reed. It was Reed. We deny our desires because we're told in the Christian institution some desires are good and some desires are bad. What the New Testament language is, all desire is a longing for God. All passion is a longing to be back one with God. And those, because humanity is fallen, we get broken in all of these different ways and our passions and our desires get put out of place. They are displaced. And so what Paul is saying is, take those to Jesus because that's where they belong. And if we're going to be a home... You have to be comfortable and okay with people having passions and desires that aren't just to worship God all the time. And you have to be and we have to be comfortable with people people having passions and desires who are radically broken. Yes. You have to be comfortable with that if this is going to be a home. Yes, and our job is to point them to Jesus. It is to show them Jesus so that they feel like they can take those to him. Jansen, you can come on up. Last thing. Last truth that you need to know about experiencing healing and wholeness. Listen to this and listen to this good. One solution does not fix all. One solution does not fix all. What worked for you may not work for someone else. You know what? You know what? You know what we've said? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And whatever God did for me, he'll do it for you. 
Well, I've got some things that I've heard that God done that I'm still waiting on. He ain't done it yet. What that verse is literally talking about is the spirit of prophecy is you telling people who God is, not what he's done for you. It is, it is telling the story of Jesus faithfully. Not if I got $25,000, then God's going to give you $25,000. You may not can manage $25,000. Or if I got my leg healed, then you'll get your leg healed. Because I'm just going to prophesy about Jesus. That is not what that verse alludes to at all. Whatsoever. When he's saying the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When, he, when, when the writer is writing that, what he is saying is, the most faithful way that you can remain true to the prophetic is just talk about Jesus. This is not what he's done. This is who he is. If you only serve God for what he does, you've missed this altogether. He is better than even what he does. Isn't that crazy? I want you to think about that for just a second. God is better than the things that he does. He's not just a genie in a bottle. Right? Listen, how many parents in here have have multiple kids? You got grown kids? No grown. Over. Oh, yeah. We got several people. Could you imagine, just for a second, just imagine this. If you have a kid come to you and you say, I'm dealing with this issue. Kayla, I'm going to use you an example because you're on my team. Kayla, Sydney, hope y'all are okay with this. Buy y'all lunch sometime, just not today. I'm on a budget. <laughs> could you imagine if you went to your dad and mom? Sydney, could you imagine if you went? I think this is the best comparison because they're so different. Could you imagine if you went to your dad and mom and you had an issue and they knew that Kayla had the same issue? And they just said, well, it worked for Kayla, so it's got to work for Sydney. We think that's what God does to us. We think that he's that inconsiderate. One, one solution doesn't fix all for everyone. Could you imagine going to the doctor? Could you imagine somebody coming to you? And somebody comes in with a brain injury. The other person comes in and they broke their finger. And you give them the same solution? One of them's going to die. And that's the way we treat people all the time. We give generic solutions for specific issues. And that is not the role of the church. Our understanding of people's issues has to go as deep as their issue. 
If we are not willing to understand the depths of people's issue, we cannot give a solution to deal with that problem. We can just speak in generic language. You know that there are people who do things that they don't want to do? I'm serious. Paul said this. This is what Paul said. I do the things I do not want to do. And I don't do the things that I know I should do. That's what Paul said. This is not me up here just spewing gibberish. Paul. You know. The author of three-fourths of the New Testament says, I have issues that I don't know how to fix. But we've made churches a place where Paul even has to be perfect. And not only would we expect perfection from Paul, we just expect perfection from everyone. Could you imagine having to be perfect in your home all the time, then it just wouldn't be home. It just wouldn't be home. That's what I believe that God is doing at Hope Unlimited. I believe that He is making us, and I've read this quote, you can stand to your feet. He is making us the community. I want you to listen to this part. If you've heard anything else I've said today, just listen to this one last thing. He is making us the community where everybody can bring their baggage. Just listen to this moment where everybody can bring their baggage and their brokenness with them. Because if there ever were a group of people Where everyone was loved and no one pretended, there would not be room enough in the building. If people want like our growth strategy, that's it. I don't have a spreadsheet. In fact, I prefer not to look at spreadsheets at all. That's right, Phil. Now, other people on our team... They got spreadsheets for days. They got a spreadsheet for the spreadsheets. I'm just like, put it in a Word document and send it on over. Because I'm not looking at all those lines. When people want to know our strategy, like, just, for, just for, for humor's sake, have I ever walked into a staff meeting and be like, all right, here's our growth strategy. Here's our strategy for growing. Because I don't know that there's like an 18-step process to grow your church in the ways of Jesus. This is a slow burn and a process. And, and the way that we grow our church is that we make this a safe place for everybody to bring their baggage, to point them to Jesus. Listen. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, I, I have talked to, I talked to a world-renowned scholar recently, and he said this, he says, your generation 
you are either going to create a soft place to land for people who are broken or you're going to dig your heels in and watch them leave. Do you mean to tell you why there's a mass exodus in the church? Because of that. We dig our heels in on our belief systems and our preferences and all of this, and we don't have enough Jesus. It's all of the exterior stuff. And so we're going to be that church. I've preached too long again. They have a timer back there. It's just like those spreadsheets. Don't want to see them. And I tell them to put it back there. There's another church that meets here. But we're going to be that church where people can bring all of their stuff and they can meet with Jesus. Okay? I want you to stretch your hands towards Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence. We love you. There's nobody like you, Jesus. There's nobody beside you. We long to experience your goodness your love, your mercy. Jesus, you are faithful to do everything that you said you would do. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer this morning, there'll be people down for prayer in the front. If not, you're officially dismissed. And we will see you Wednesday night, 6.30. Love you guys.